I'm Muriel. And I'm Nick. And welcome to Hella in, in Your Thirties. Today we bring you a bonus Halloween episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Let's do jumping jacks. And we'll get rich. But oops, I found that bottle of gin underneath the sink again. So tomorrow's a new day. Let's order pizza. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hella in Your 30s. This is a podcast for people of all ages, all about navigating this dystopian world we live in. It's Halloween weekend. We got this election coming up. Hey, look, we're just going to blather on about people that got murdered uh, just as a, an attempt to rescue you from the reality that is engulfing us all. I mean, there's terror here, terror there, terror, terror everywhere. <laughs> and uh, we want to welcome you into Muriel's Murder Den. That's we're in right. our closet. We're sitting on the ground. We took the last four seconds to throw on some Halloween costumes. Guess what Nick is? A pirate. <laughs> Guess what Muriel is? I don't know. We don't know. I was just like, put on this old uh, wig with this uh, like bonnet thing. It's like a Rihanna Puma uh, Nick collector's said I look piece. Like a, a, he said, I look like a sexy babushka. <laughs> yeah, like a refugee. You know what I mean? But like hot. Uh, uh, yeah. And then we try to put on <laughs> some lipstick. And of course, we're in this dark ass whatever. We're like, if it, the lighting in, this, in the murder den is just bad, that will look scary. Yeah. Which is... Uh, uh, kind of true. That's, well, or not. This looks terrible. But looks terrible. if you want to be indulged, go and check out. Uh, we have some videos up on Instagram and YouTube. And that is right. They are like, if you wondered what we look like in an unflattering way, <laughs> check out these videos. And we will not be telling you what my pirate earring is made out of. If you're only listening, you have to find us on social media <laughs> to get the full visual. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Well, I'm really excited about this. We uh -huh. decided that the week prior to the election, obviously, is like the Halloween week. Yes. So we decided to put together a series of uh, Muriel's Murders. <laughs> so we're putting three up this weekend on Patreon. So if you want to do that, hit it up, baby. That is right. But we wanted to give you a little tasty taste because we all... <laughs> Yeah, I'll need some distraction. I know I do. We're yeah. just sitting around putting makeup on each other, acting like fools. <laughs> Without further ado, I am playing the scary music, which Ooh. that means it's time for a scary intro. Oh, that's where I talk? Yeah, that's where you talk. <laughs> All right. This week, we're going to talk about the watery death of Elisa Lamb. This story, we're going to start with the history of the Cecil Hotel. Oh, my God. Do you know about the Cecil Hotel? I do not. I think that this is the best way to start it. So this is a very spooky, scary episode um, we're doing for Halloween. Yes. And uh, it's also um, based in L.A. So it's an L.A. where we live, scary holiday <laughs> Halloween episode. Okay, okay? great. So I just figure out, I'll set the tone for like, this is the setting of the incident that we're going to be talking about today, Elisa Lamb's uh, watery, watery grave. Okay. Um, okay. So the Cecil Hotel, right now it's known as the Stay on Main. It was built in 1928 in Los Angeles. So originally it was kind of intended to be this posh, sort of really nice hotel. It was like in 1928, it was multi-million dollar like 
extravaganza, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. There was like marble floors and alabaster uh, statues. I thought that was a oh al- alabaster's um, uh, uh, birds. No, what's that's alabaster? albatross. Oh. <laughs> what's alabaster? <laughs> alabaster is like a white sort of pole, I don't know, Okay, so thing. they're trying to make it look like Greek gods. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So it's All like right. very fancy. Okay, cool. And they were like, okay, this is where businessmen are going to stay. It's really opulent. Where um, in LA was it? It's downtown. Okay. On Main Street. It's right now off of the modern Skid Row or like in the middle of Skid Row. Got so it. it's like, it, but it, down, back then it was like mm-hmm. downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, okay. So little do they know, right after they built the hotel, the Great Depression hit. <laughs> uh, and by 1950, uh, it was basically like a long-term stay hotel for transients. So okay. <laughs> it was very much did not pan out the way that these like um, weird Rockefeller dudes thought it would. Okay, okay, okay. I got it. <laughs> so uh, shout out to everyone who opened a bar directly before COVID. I know hit. we're all just dealing with this now. These guys are like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> <Right>. Okay. <laughs> So this hotel has got this insane, like really insane history. Uh So I researched this whole thing, Uh but um, it might be too much, but I'm just going to say it anyway, because it's a lot. It's like really crazy. So essentially, this is like a death hotel. Like it has this insanely long history of like suicides and murders and serial killers and stuff. Uh-huh. So it started in 1931. This dude, uh, W.K. Norton, took poison capsules and he died. As suicide. As a suicide, okay. right? And then in like the next year right after that. So this is just like it's it opens in 1928. Yeah. So yeah. that's the first suicide. And before that, there was actually a bunch of crazy shit that went down. Uh-huh. But nothing like it was like rich people problems uh-huh. and then starting in 1931 it was just like free for all so like <laughs> then this guy yeah. shot himself in his room oh, then a worker was crushed by a truck in the loading dock uh there was a guy who cut his own throat 1934 and then like just tons of residents who lived there met all these like untimely deaths across los angeles yeah so it's like not only are people killing themselves in the hotel but they're also dying out of the hotel. Now, are the, all these deaths, are these the transient people that are living in it's there? It's kind of like people, like everybody's kind of like in and out. I think that basically it's kind of like COVID, like Great Depression hits who yeah. can afford to live in a place, right? you know? So people are kind of like now living in hotels. So it's, it's a big, lots of walks of life are coming in and out of okay. this hotel. So like, but I think everybody's like touched by tragedy in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, there's a like an older lady who lived there. She drowned in the ocean. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then this guy shot himself in a park. There was like opium dealers there. There was a bank robber who lived there. So you got to give credit where credit is due because the haunting so far sounds like it's casting a wide net. Yeah. Like it's really like you like you know how like horror movies a ghost will haunt you in one way or a haunted house will kill you in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. hotel was like, oh no 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 like you know hold my witching stick. Hold I'm, my witching I'm, stick. I'm, <laughs> I've got some tricks up my sleeve. It All was right. very much so. There's like so and then people just they can't get to the roof. The roof has like no access, mm-hmm. but so people will just jump out of windows. So there was like. Just one year after another, Grace McGarrow, Roy Thompson. And then in 1940, the first organized consistent AA meetings in Los Angeles were held in the hotel. <laughs> Shout out to everyone working the steps. Baby, Get it where you can. Get it where you can, baby. You know, they, they work. If we're, you work it, it works. We're with you. Yeah. Uh, a resident also, uh, this is another one, another resident went to a bar 
and got into a gun battle with the bartender who also was his childhood best friend and he died. <laughs> uh, and then Elizabeth yeah. Short, who's the Black Dahlia, uh-huh. actually went to the bar at the Cecil Hotel like the night or two before she died. Did anything, did other cool like, did also Hollywood stars show up there? Like, or did no, the that's only... not that kind of hotel. Okay, not so really. so nothing also awesome was, was happening to people that went to this hotel. I mean, I'm sure on some level, like I'm sure somebody got married, or you know, I mean, it's Prob- not it's famous not... for like awesome things happening to people. Do you know <laughs> okay. about the Black Dahlia? Um, uh, it's a, I know it's a very famous murder, and I know it's L.A. sort of like the L.A. noir. Um, Whatever that word is. Do you want to know how she died? Yeah. Okay. So this is like, I actually listen to a podcast about her, so I won't get too in deep deep with it, Uh but it's crazy. If you're sensitive, just hit this fast forward 30 seconds, but I'm going to say what happened. She basically was, they're pretty sure the profile about the guy who was murdering people, Mm -hmm. um, they think he had a background in some sort of surgery. Uh So like, she was just some young woman who was like bouncing around and kind of like- a little bit of ill repute for the time. Right, you know? like pretty and perhaps vulnerable and someone. Yeah, and like also mm. like kind of going from dude to dude and like maybe like kind of like opportunistic uh-huh. in this way and kind of like thought of her, you know, she she was just a young lady, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. So she's out there kind of doing her thing. Was she, she trying to make it in Hollywood as an actress? I don't think she was trying to be an actress, but she uh-huh. thought she would be famous. You know, okay. it's like there's just something about, you know, it's like it's all vague. It's yeah. like us. We're right. just like, we want to be famous. What uh, are we doing? We're putting on wig caps and sitting in our closet. <laughs> and at least she was right. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She got famous. Yeah. No, they did. So basically, they the thing about the Black Dahlia that's crazy yeah. is it was basically like one of the first sort of like super documented crazy serial killers like mm-hmm. they didn't really know about that back mm-hmm. then because mm-hmm. um, that was in like 47 uh-huh. so they found her body and the person that had murdered her had cut her body super cleanly in half and like bisected her spine oh yeah and then yeah. drained all the blood out Ugh. and then this is really drastic. It's like this thing called a Glasgow smile where you cut the corners of the mouth so you have a big smile. Yeah, like the Joker. Exactly. And so, like the Joker. Um, and then like a bunch of other sort of crazy incisions and stuff like that. Yeah. And then she was like posed in this really no, yeah, I did elaborate yeah. way. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. like, that's the Black Dolly. So she was, at, she was at the hotel bar. Um, at one point, there were so many people jumping off the building. One woman jumped off the building uh, and landed on a guy and they both died. Just <laughs> let the guy walking. Oh my by. God! What is this? The iPhone factory? <laughs> what? The iPhone factory? Look at that! Just because you know the people that make our iPhones that everyone's addicted to have a huge rate of suicide jumping out of the iPhone factory. That's a deep cut. I, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> that is what we're filming this Good video joke. on. Good joke. Uh, okay, great. Uh, a woman also jumped off of the building and landed on the marquee of the hotel, and Ooh. they couldn't get her down, so they had to get like a huge like team of people to go climb on the marquee and like get her down. Oh my god! And then there were also two famous serial killers who lived there. So one of them lived there in like 1994, uh, 1984 to 85. Uh-huh. He killed. So this guy is named Richard Ramirez, and his nickname was the Night Stalker. He killed 13 people, but he did, I mean, he was, he messed up like 40 people Mm -hmm. and he's 
that was like one of the most violent things I've ever read. I was just reading about it. I was like, oh my God. Well, that's saying a lot for you. I mean, I it was like, it's like he was really like an animal. Like he was out there just- Like torturing people and mutilating Well, like, them. no, he just was going, he was just shooting people in the face. But like for a long time, like he was on a rampage forever and he was just like crazy. So they kind of knew what he looked like. Yeah. But they just couldn't catch him. Yeah. And he was like, he had a machete, tire iron, like anything you could think of. And he just would brutally attack people. Yeah. And uh, uh, that guy was nuts. So he lived there. Oh, so it was like the violence of just like pure sort of- crazy aggression as opposed to it wasn't like really yeah exactly like like silence of the lamb style no no he was just he was just running around with a 22 like i mean it it, like the story is outrageous i won't get too deep into it okay and then there was another um serial killer uh named jack unterweger who lived there he's from austria both of these guys just killed hella people in la so like the night stalker just killed people in the valley Black Dahlia was killed in uh, Lamert Park, where mm-hmm. Randy lives. Yeah. And this guy just killed a bunch of sex workers who lived in L.A. after he killed a bunch of people in Austria and Czechoslovakia. <laughs> How did this hotel stay in business? Who owned the hotel? I, a couple of barons. I don't know. Just they, they just, just were like- Just sitting back, collecting their cash, yeah. and not, not giving a damn who yeah. lives there. So like the hotel is hella, hella haunted. Right. Right. So yeah. that's like the history of the hotel, which okay. I think is, that's pretty crazy. Huh? Yeah, that's in- very, very intense. So flash forward to 2013. <gasps> that's a big jump. Yeah. So this is a modern tale you're going to It's tell? a modern tale. <laughs> so you flash forward to 2013, okay? Yeah. And there is, uh, like Skid Row is like kind of in full effect. There's like tons of people. It's, yeah. you know, like it's solidly sort of like a budget hostel um, for people who want to stay downtown, and mm. then like long-term residents, like there were like eight sex offenders that lived there. There was it was just like people there who were really down on their luck or whatever. Or mm-hmm. there were like some shared rooms you could do. So there was like a hostel portion. Mm-hmm. There was like six hundred rooms, so you can go there and like stay in a room with like eight other people. Wow! Right. So people are hanging out at the hotel. Everyone starts complaining about low water pressure. So they're saying like the water pressure is really low and when you turn on the faucet, the water that comes out is like brown, you know, at first and then it runs clear, but it always has this like sickly, it has like a sweet taste. So everybody's like, it's this really sweet water. Um, like one of the residents said it has a very funny, sweetie, disgusting taste, very strange taste. I can't describe it. And then that goes on for about three weeks, right? So everything's like kind of just gross yeah but people kind of don't complain because it's not like a fancy hotel they're kind of like oh there's just bad water downtown right it's like someone spilled a you know a gatorade bucket in the stupid water supply or yeah something. or like the pipes are bad you know or yeah. like whatever like our pipes it's, it's little rocks come out of our pipes a lot but if the water was sweet what would what would you think what what would your go-to be like why is water being sweet is something i I don't think I've ever experienced like, like coming out of a tap and it's sweet. I don't know if I would say that, but yeah. for instance, like the tap water out of your grandma's house, yeah. it's not like it's it's good water, but it has a really distinct- Yeah, it's mineral Yeah, mineral but, but water. But sweet in particular is kind of like throwing me for a loop here. I'm just saying like water does taste differently in different places. I totally agree. And so I think if you're visiting LA or if you're dealing with like different kind of crazy stuff, I think it's easy to just kind of like, like let's say like you were homeless and then yeah. you're in this place and like you're used to drinking like- water out of your water bottle yeah. or wherever you can get it and then you drink the water and it's off yeah i don't think that that's 
it's not a huge red flag. No, but I, I just, don't think it's a big, huge red flag. I don't think it is. I don't, I'm just saying, like, what would you assume that it would be? I would probably just be like, oh, that's how the water tastes here. And that's actually one of the quotes. It's like uh-huh. they had people visiting because it's a hostel. Yeah. And people would be like, oh, I guess L.A. water is sweet. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, it just, like, has this uh, weird taste right. to it, right? Where the rivers flow with candy canes. Right. So one of the hotel workers, he walks up and he um, goes to check the water tanks so the water tanks are like up on the roof Mm -hmm. and they don't have any you can't get to the water tanks from any like direction or whatever Mm -hmm. they're all all the doors are locked basically right it's employee access only you can't get up there so they're these concrete eight foot tall water tanks they don't have any mounted ladders or any mounted way to get up there so he has to go like go get a ladder you know get it up against the thing unscrew the top he opens it up and there is the rotting body of Elisa Lamb. Oh so she's God. in there naked, face up in the tub. Her clothes are kind of floating around and she's just like bright green. So everyone's just been drinking they've this been drinking woman's her, sweet, sweet blood. Yeah, they've been drinking her decomposing body water for three weeks. Oh my God. Which is like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe, uh, oh my God. Well, it's, I guess it's nice to know that humans aren't um, gross tasting at least they were just like it's a little off. I think little they're sweet. saying sickly sweet I mean <laughs> yeah. I don't know so <laughs> like they I mean come on man yeah could you imagine no that you were drinking dead body water I don't even like to drink water out of the glass that one of our foster kittens takes a sip from I know neither do I I would dump that out no and like people were just like flipping out and they tested the water yeah. and they were like it's not contaminated <laughs> like they flushed it anyway but they right. like they emptied they basically tested the water that came out and they were like well you can't really get sick from this because it's not like contaminated right <laughs> which i was like how did it like i don't know how they got to that that seems really like not true no that's i mean that's crazy that's like i don't know the president being like oh who cares about covid because uh you know i didn't die from it yeah it's like and then it's also like to me, what it reminds me of is like when I found out that there's an acceptable amount of bug insect parts per ounce in frozen berries that the FDA approves, right. you know, and you're yeah. like, oh, oh, like. <laughs> yeah, well, there's also an acceptable amount of murdered rodents in mass produced wine. Like yeah, right. Like tail and yeah, stuff. Yeah. They're just like, it's a. It, it's just part of the process and it's not going to hurt you. Right. And I think that that's what it, they're saying is yeah. like, it's, it's just diluted so much. Like the, the carcass is not really in your water, <laughs> yeah, right. right? There's an acceptable amount of carcass. In there. <laughs> so like they tried to say that, but then they moved everybody out and they like flushed the tanks yeah. anyway to be like super safe. <laughs> yeah. They're like, see, we're doing our due diligence. <laughs> oh, like, come on, man. So anyway, right, so okay. this is like the story of Elisa Lamb. So Elisa Lamb was a 21 year old Canadian uh, who was visiting Los Angeles on sort of a solo tour of California. Great. Um, so she had, she was found in the water tank on February 19th, 2013. Um, and she had actually disappeared on January 29th. So yeah. like about 20 days. Yeah. Like about almost three weeks. Yeah, right. Um, and she had checked in her, to this hotel on the 26th and then her last day being seen was the 29th. Um, so she had to be in the tank for about three weeks. And I got to say also, just shout out Dark Water, that scary ass uh, Korean movie. Did you ever watch that? Uh-uh. It's exactly, it's a very similar. 
it's a very similar thing. Anyway, I just wanted to say if anybody out there has seen Dark Water, that's a scary ass movie. Uh-huh. And Dark Water came out in two thousand five. So like this is it's a really weird echo of that movie. Huh. It's very similar. It's like I think a woman was like murdered by her boyfriend and put in a water tank and they like there would be like crazy ghost hair and things coming out of the sink and they finally find her. She's right. like mad as shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a really pissed. it's a really scary movie. Yeah, yeah. Um anyway. Uh, <laughs> horror movies from Asia are the best They're movies. They're so, so good. scary. They're They're so scary. Easily the scariest movies. Yeah. Um so Lisa was the daughter of a couple from Hong Kong. And they owned a restaurant in Burnaby, Canada. So it was a successful restaurant. Where's what, Burnaby, Canada? Burnaby is like outside of Vancouver, and uh-huh. it's just kind of. I think I had a boyfriend who was from there, mm-hmm. um, and he said that it was a pretty shitty neighborhood where he was from. So uh-huh. I kind of think of it as being kind of a little rough. Whisper me the name of the boyfriend. Okay, it was Scott. Oh yeah, he, that guy was cool. He was yeah, I could see yeah, he was kind of a rough and tumble yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, he was a little, he was, <laughs> but he was so great. He was, he was great. great. He dude. was great, but he also didn't mess around. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Okay. But he was he was very fun. Yeah. Um. So, uh, she was a student at the University of British Columbia in two thousand and in two thousand thirteen. She ended up dropping out of school and going on a West Coast tour of different California cities. So that was like pretty impulsive. Yeah, she needed to do some soul searching. I get it. She's a small town Canadian girl, and she's like, "What does the West Coast have to offer?" Right, exactly. You know, she wanted to get her Joni Mitchell on. She wanted to see what was up. <laughs> I get it. And she's an international exchange student, she, basically backpacking around. She was. She also had been diagnosed with bipolar pretty recently to when oh, she left. So there was mm-hmm. like some. She was medicated, and like, you know, ha- like her parents were. I mean, it's obviously like socialized medicine yeah. so like she was able to see a doctor and yeah. get medication and right. like, afford the medication um so she's on like five different medications um different mood stabilizers mm-hmm, and stuff like mm-hmm. that and um and she was taking them so she had she was traveling with them so she has a tumblr and she also has a blog mm-hmm. and both of them are pretty they're pretty cool like she was a student fashion she's like really into fashion wait you found her blog in her tumblr yeah so they still exist yeah well it's only 2013 right still up. yeah and they're cool like she's got really good taste and she's mm-hmm. super creative and like what she, was on her tumblr the tumblr is can i be really real yeah i couldn't figure out how to use tumblr <laughs> <laughs> i tried so hard okay well. i don't know what it was i just got hella frustrated everything was in this font that was like the same color as white i couldn't read anything so i could read quotes but i couldn't mm-hmm. see what she was like posting like in terms of the pictures Did you, uh-huh. but her blog was really cool um like okay. she had a lot of art in her blog and stuff and i kind of saw clips in a few videos like her own art no, it's like fashion magazine, like curated uh-huh. pictures from fashion magazines. Okay. But she's like really into it. And a lot of the stuff on her blog, it just sounds like somebody with like classic depression. Mm-hmm. You know, she just is, she talks about how she's like, I wish I could just get up. Yeah. Take a shower, exercise, eat something. Yeah. And I don't. And I just think about these are the things that are wrong with me. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't feel it feels very articulate mm-hmm. and sen- like emotionally sensitive and intelligent mm-hmm. yeah. and honest and dark you yeah. know like i i've related to that stuff especially sure. when i was like that age you know you're just kind of like yeah exploring what it's the poignancy of life you yeah. know and there's a lot of that but she did say stuff like she's funny too she has mm-hmm. 
um, she's like, oh, I, oh man, imagine how my life would have turned out if I had just gone to Hogwarts. That was a funny <laughs> one. And then she said, um, she says, wow. but she does say stuff like, my laptop screen is brighter than my future. And that's a good one. I, think I, so. I used to tweet shit like that. I know, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like, there's an element of humor to it, but then it's like that can, com- like, combined with a lot of these blog entries that are just like, I cannot get out of bed right. and that aren't funny. Yeah. Like, you get a picture of somebody who's definitely struggling and she did struggle with school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like she had a lot of incompletes, a lot of drop classes yeah. because she just couldn't kind of get into the rhythm of doing something. Right. So right around the end of December, moving into January is when she started to make her plans to go to California. Right. Yeah. So that was their big deal. She's going to go out to California and that's when her entries start getting, more like wild you know so she talks about like she lost her phone and didn't have a phone and then borrowed a phone and then got to the airport she missed her flight twice because she got lost in the airport and had to sleep there okay and then so she, she's probably not doing great she's not doing that great yeah so but she's still like funny and articulate on, yeah. <laughs> on tumblr which is just interesting <laughs> yeah right and she's on tumblr and then she decides, like, oh, I want everybody to come meet me. Like, let's meet up. I want to meet people in person who, like, read her Tumblr. Yeah. And then she realizes that's a bad idea. So she's you know, says something about being paranoid. And then she goes and creates, like, a new Facebook account for, like, you know, she's mm-hmm. just kind of jumping around a lot. But she's on this solo mission. Yeah. You know, she's seeing stuff. She went to San Diego. She's, like, going around to these different California towns. And she ends up losing her phone again. So she's lost two phones. She's missed. Things are kind of a little yeah hard you know like, i mean oh my gosh it's just I, I you just know you talk to like homeless people out here that are like young and looking good and they're just like yeah i lost like losing your phone is sort of the first step right and it, when you're in another another you know country i remember when i traveled internationally for the first time yeah i did not bring enough money yeah it was super impulsive i actually like had a student like i had student loans and i so I had and a grant and yeah. so I had money to go to school for that quarter and yeah. I just dropped out of school and used my financial aid money not that much of it but like part yeah. of it to just go on this trip right and you know I look back on that and I'm like that was probably I mean that was really crazy I didn't yeah. have a credit card yeah. I didn't have a phone that worked internationally I had like this little flip phone that like only worked you know in the United States so like I could call my parents from a payphone. I didn't really know where I was going and I was gone for a month, yeah. you know? So like I can relate. Well, the first time I went to Sicily, I didn't have a cell phone and I didn't my the ATMs or whatever didn't work. So I just had almost I just had pocket change last me the whole time except for when I was with my family. And, wow. But that was at the end of the trip. Wow. You know what I mean? But also I just I guess there is a thing there people that lose their cell phones can, is that is like a sign that you're not mentally that with it. I lost my cell phone. Remember how many times I lo- used to lose my cell phone? I mean, you might misplace it, but you never lost your I cell did. phone. Like, I have to now completely replace it? I did, but they were flip phones. It was back when we, I only used, <laughs> they only cost like $40. <laughs> I absolutely, we were together and lived in Chicago and I lost my phone like like 
I don't know, five or six times. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I lost at least like three times. I did. Uh, okay. I did. All right. Well, I'm, you're lucky that you had me to keep you out of harm's way. You know that that is totally true. Yeah. Right? Okay, that okay. We okay. both know that. Maybe that's I just true. block those things out. I'm like, no, I'm married to a legit woman. I like, lost completely. my purse. Remember when I got my passport stolen? <laughs> I I guess I relate to her because I'm like, I'm a hot mess. And I can look back on journals at that point. And I don't think that I was having the same level of, you know, depression that it seems like she was dealing with. But I definitely had the same level of like poignant melancholy. Yeah. You know, like it was definitely pretty wild. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. I I relate to it. Yeah, sure. But I, but it does seem like it was getting kind of out of control for her. Like frayed at the edges sort of. Then she checks into this hostel, right? So she goes to the Cecil Hotel, famous hotel. (laughs) On their their website, they either have to be just like touting the fact that it's a haunted murder hotel hostel, which I feel like people would be like, ooh, let's stay in the murder hostel. No, they're kind of like, I, I read actually right now, like yeah. somebody bought it who's super rich and is trying to renovate it back to like the 1928 glory so they can say this is an example of a 1920s California hotel. Yeah. I'm assuming that they want it to, they are trying to designate it to be historical. I'm yeah. guessing that the lore of that has to be a part of that. Right. But yeah. they're definitely trying to be like, it's beautiful. It has mar- <laughs> marble floors. Oh. Like, <laughs> Just don't walk here. Yeah. <laughs> you have to helicopter in because Skid Row, and when she was there in 2013, is not, it was like a very dangerous, incredibly sketchy place to be. Yeah. That's not even, it's crazy to, it that it's crazy so she's like yeah. by herself she goes checks into the hotel and she books one of the hostel rooms so she's going to go into a shared room sure and so she's up there and after about a day her roommates actually come down to the front desk and say she's weird we don't want to live with her in this oh. room so so she's just having a full-blown episode something kind of yeah. seems like that she is on her medications but Something has gone off. Well, I will say just from my personal knowledge, especially when you're newly diagnosed, it takes a long time to get your meds right. Yeah, yeah. For the people, for the for the actual, especially you said she was on like five different medications. She was, and she wasn't taking her mood stabilizers, uh-huh. so she was on a bunch, and she was taking some of the medications, but yeah. she was cherry picking, not taking others, and no one was supervising. Her. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally not medicated, but uh, you know, I've got loved ones, and I absolutely know that it's like a big trial and error to get the right you know i mean I get it. your brain is a complicated thing it's like a big magical flesh ball it's yeah. like i can't imagine how long like it's bizarre right. when we can even do anything yeah so yeah so she, things are happening she's acting out in this hotel room and so they take her and they move her to a single room instead of kicking her out so mm-hmm. that also kind of makes me think the people in her shared room don't want to spend time with her but the hotel's not kicking her out. I mean, she's probably able to be called down to the front desk yeah. and talk to somebody yeah. and be like, I'm sorry, I don't know why they are they don't want a room with me. Yeah. And they can be like, look, we have an extra room. You can just stay there. Yeah. If she was like really out of touch with reality, I yeah. just don't believe in 2013 they would just give her her own room. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I would, I would, I would think that they would... 
Yeah, if she was right for sure. If she was, you know, if there was like defecation or she was, you know, yelling in the middle of the night or hallucinating or like doing something that was just like so it makes you kind of think like there was some sort of conflict. But it's if she was able to talk to somebody and negotiate a second room, to me, I feel like she was still pretty highly functioning. And there's not, they said that she stayed alone most of the time. Like the people who worked there said she didn't really make any friends at the hostel, but there was a woman who owned a bookstore down the street Mm -hmm. and she would go into the bookstore and find books. And she said she talked to her the whole time and she was like really sweet. And yeah, she's doing all the classic like backpacking around a foreign land. You go into the bookstore. Yeah. Right. You got to hang out with the bookstore lady. I mean, I, you know, and that's like definitely like an, you know, I'm saying normal, but I just mean yeah. like seems like she's within enough to want to buy a book and travel with yeah, one. Yeah, right. They helped. She went up there, like over there, over the course of a few days. Yeah. And she's like, oh, she's great. I didn't notice anything yeah. off. So up until this point, even though she didn't have consistently have a phone, mm-hmm. she called her parents every night. So she had been borrowing phones to call her parents okay. and check in every single night. Uh-huh. And she had been like, her parents said she'd been calling from like a friend's phone or the front desk. So she'd been doing that. And she's supposed to check out of this room on the 29th, um, and her parents don't hear from her. And they don't hear from her on the 30th, and they don't hear from her on the 31st. So they can't get a hold of her. They call the police, and then they fly down from Vancouver. So they know, like, their girl is on the cut, the edge of something, I think. Yeah, so they come yeah. down, like, right away, oh, you know? That makes my heart ache so bad I know, for them. I oh, know. So they yeah. come down right away, and they all start searching. And because... There's no probable cause. They can't search any rooms. So they go into the hotel and they can search the public areas and they can search her room, but they can't search individual rooms. Yeah. So they get dogs that have her scent and they bring her through the whole whole hotel. They take her to the roof where the water tanks are. Yeah. They don't uh, latch onto anything. They don't smell anything. They can't find her. And this is just a few days after she disappeared. Yeah. And... A week after she went missing, the police and the FBI actually found a video of her. Mm-hmm. Um, that's her la- the last sighting of her in the hotel. Like from the security system of the hotel? Yeah. And it's really, really, really crazy. So what I'm going to show you the video. You're going to show it to me right now? Yeah. And then you're going to tell me what you think is going on. Okay? Oh, I just got so scared. It's hella scary. Okay. okay. <laughs> This very scary bonus episode of Hella in Your 30s is brought to you by the newest member of our Patreon family, Andre D. Yes, and Courtney ST. That's right. Courtney's been hanging out on Patreon for a while, and just because she's a big baller, she upped her pledge. We love you, girl. If you guys are into these murder podcasts and you want to support Hella in Your 30s, we're dropping three murder podcasts this Halloween weekend on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Hella in Your 30s. That's right. For $3 a month, you can get <laughs> these things. And guess why you need them? Because why? we're going to go into the election of our lifetimes, and sometimes- you just need to tune everything out <laughs> pretty soon. We decided to do this partly because uh, we're going to have a lot of election stuff in our feed next yeah. week. So 
we just figure if you need to tune out the election stuff and you just need a distraction, yes. we're going to also give the gift of distraction. <laughs> yes, that is right. So if you sign up before <laughs> November 4th, then you can snag a $3 a month tier at patreon.com slash hell in your 30s. And everyone who signs up by November 4th, we are going to send you an original hell in your 30s mixtape because everyone needs good music in their life. Yeah, we all need it. Oh, and what else is happening right now, Nicholas? I don't know. We got to get back to the murders. That was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. If anyone wants, how did, okay, you just, you guys have to, Elisa Lamb video. I'll put the I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah. That is that was that's scary. Okay, so it's really super unnerving. So I'll kind of describe. Why don't you give them a little play by play of what we just watched? Okay, so the camera is in a corner of the elevator. It's pointing down, looking at whatever's happening in the elevator. So it's like that grainy kind of like automatically unnerving, <laughs> exactly <scary laughs> thing. And I don't know if you noticed this, what? but the video that the FBI released, yeah. the timestamp and the date are actually blurred out. I did see that, but I figured that I thought... Nobody in the public knows what it was. They they blurred it out for some reason. Yeah. And so that's actually a big like source of like conspiracy theories uh-huh. because the tape is jumpy and there's a point that it seems like we lost time. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of theories on the internet that we're like missing like, a minute of time. Okay, all right, so let's go through the play-by-play. Okay, so this is the play-by-play. So you see the empty elevator, and the door opens, and Elisa walks into the elevator. And she kind of has, like, this high, like, bouncing energy, right? Like, she walks in, Mm -hmm. and she leans forward um, really far, and she immediately pushes five buttons. Um, and then you were saying like she's leaning over really close, like looking really close at the buttons. Yeah. Um, they say that it's because she wears glasses and she wasn't wearing glasses at the time, yeah. so she was like confused about what buttons she pushed. But she pit them all so fast. She did and deliberately to me. Absolutely. Right, and she's looking at them like her face is like an inch away from the panel. Yeah. Like she's leaned way over, and like punching these buttons really, really fast five yeah. at a time. But she still has kind of a good energy. She stands up and waits for the door to close. And at some point, it's not closing. The elevator is like clearly malfunctioning. Like you can tell, like it's not closing when it's supposed to, and everything's kind of weird. And there's no one else around. It's right. empty hallway, empty elevator. Yeah. So she kind of peeks her head out in the hallway and looks around briefly. And then she pops back into the elevator and she hides in the corner. She hides around by the panel. Like she walks right. in the door. So if you were walking by yeah. and you weren't careful, you'd think the elevator was empty. So she had like right. flattened herself against this corner and she was right. hiding. She peeks out again and she walks out of the elevator and into the hallway. And to me, I don't know if you saw this, uh-huh. but she kind of steps over the threshold in this kind of deliberate way of the elevator to try to snap it back into action i think it was i felt like she was trying to trigger some sort of sensor or do something but it is really odd it's almost like a dosey doe like she walks out and walks in and like, i don't know if it's just because i was scared or whatever but it did it seemed like she was walking like a haunted person well it's like robotic or something I, that's why i say deliberate because to me it looks a little bit like what you would you're not doing it naturally you're like yeah. kind of you, 
she's trying to accomplish something. So I thought it was the yeah. door, the sensor door, but I mean, it's very odd. Yeah. And then she gets out, and I think this is the scariest part to me. Well, one of the scariest parts. You still can't see anybody, and she goes and faces the direction where she peeked out the first time and hid. Yeah. So in my imagination, I think one of the up or down buttons could be just down the hallway and someone keeps pushing it so the doors keep opening. Like, that's how I was thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, but that's just... it. Right, but the door is staying wide open. It's not starting to close and then open. No, it's but if just you like, just hold it, you're saying someone was in there just holding their finger on the button. Like it kind of reminded me of that. Like yeah. if somebody was messing with you yeah. and you like kind of peeked out and you're like, because a lot of people said that in these blogs is uh -huh. like they say like she kind of looks like somebody who's uncomfortably flirting with somebody who's like messing with them. Yeah, like a little awkward, a little jerky, kind of upbeat. You know, this kind of playful hide and seek thing, but you don't see anybody. It, I'm. I just it just did not read that. Yeah. I to me it just looked straight up like she's being either controlled or haunted. So she walks out and she looks towards the direction that spooked her into hiding in the first place. Yeah. And she starts doing this like pretty much legit White Lodge Twin Peaks like hand movements like hand dancing. Yeah. She's like has her fingers fully extended and she's doing this fluid sort of like motions like they say that she looks like she's talking to somebody but to me it just looks like there she like moves her hands around in these like s's and these kind of remember like that movie we saw where the it was like the haunted dance studio it's like a european film and, yeah and they all are they, like they dance and like break their arms and everything from some crazy ghost kind of looked like that yeah yeah it was very very dancy and I'm odd. literally scared. I'm scared right now. Like the, the, there's in noises this... in our living room and <laughs> and your like pirate I imagine is scaring me too. Okay, so like it's really weird. And then yeah. I at some point, yeah, she puts her hands together and pulls them against her chest, which right. to me looks like pleading. You know what I mean? Like she's got right. them like really close to her chest, and she stands there for a while. Still outside of the right. She's still outside. Yeah. Then she just turns around and gets back in the elevator and she just pushes like all the buttons. Yeah. Like she's in there just frantically pushing every button and there's 600 rooms. So there's a ton of buttons on this panel. Yeah. She pushes them all. <sighs> and then she basically walks out into the hallway and she stands there for a while and you can kind of see the side of her body, but she's pretty much out of view. And then she walks away and then you sit there and it's silent and the elevator door closes and then it opens and there's no one there and then it closes again and then it opens and at that point Nick was like if she's there I'm gonna scream <laughs> yeah. and I was like trust me I am too I <laughs> <laughs> right. like it's so scary it yeah. just kind of slowly closes slowly opens slowly closes nobody walks by so like if it makes sense if you're watching this video and she's facing like the elevator door and the elevator door is open. All of the action is to her right. Like if she sticks her head out of the door, yeah. she's directing all of her sort of like movements. Yeah, and the way she's looking. The way she's yeah, looking everything. is all to the right. Yeah. At the end of all of this, when she leaves, she goes to the left. But nobody ever follows her. Right. You know, so if there was somebody there She's just there and you're looking at an empty door and there's nobody there. So that's the video. <laughs>
Was that scary? That was scary as hell. <laughs> Damn, that was scary. That scared the shit out of me. All right. So they find so they find that video and they show it to the parents. They show it to everybody. And they're like, what happened? And it's just wild. I mean, there's kind of a few top theories. It's like people say it could have been a ghost she's talking to. Well, people say it clearly looks like a manic episode with hallucination. Yeah. Um, And then other people say she could have been on drugs. Yeah. And then another theory is the harassment theory. Yeah. And the reason why I think it's not insane to think about is because whoever is messing with her, if someone's messing with her, fundamentally has to have knowledge of the hotel and where they found her needed right. access from somebody who knows how to get right. access, yeah. right? So we'll kind of get into that in a second. But it like that's another theory is that we don't see the person because the person knows where the cameras are. Yeah. And they don't want to be seen on the cameras. Yeah. So they're they're positioning themselves so they can't be seen. Yeah. Um, which I'm scared now. I keep looking at you and you're scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hella scary. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's... I mean, also, all, all of those things are probably true. Yeah, I mean, they can be. Like, I mean, I... I one theory is aliens, which I don't think is true, but... Aliens? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you alien nerds. Just <laughs> drop just it already. drop it. They're not everywhere. <laughs> They're not that cool, man. So, okay. So yeah. that's the video. And they never find her. So the other kind of mystery of this that yeah. really is trippy is the concrete ta- tanks that she was found in. So these concrete tanks are on the roof. And mm-hmm. there is no access to that except for through, like, you have to have a key card. And if you try to go in there, alarms will go off right so you can't get to the roof through any sort of door however you can get there through the fire escapes so there is a chance that if she was manic or being carried by somebody who knows how to get on the roof um they could have gone there's only two ways she could have done this Mm -hmm. she could have on her own found a place to get on a fire escape and climbed a fire escape on, up on the roof mm-hmm. or someone with a key card could have gotten her in. So those are the only two ways she could have gotten yeah. in. The other thing about them, and we kind of mentioned this before, there are these massive concrete tanks and the lids themselves weigh 25 pounds. And she's tiny. She's a small, like, dainty lady. Yeah. And there are no um, ladders so in order to climb on the tank you have to get a ladder to get up there and they didn't find a ladder up there when they found her body yeah so she would have had to climb up the fire escape if she was alone climb up an eight foot so i'll show you what it looks like those are the tanks and that's like a normal size man and that is the lid and that lid's about 25 pounds yeah so it's so if she got in there herself, she would have had to somehow get in there, open this thing, jump in there. The thing, I guess, closes behind her, and then no, somehow it, the you have to manually close it. It opens like it flip top opens like a sugar can. Okay, so obviously either a human or a demon put her in there. Like she has to, she would have to jump in. So she was yeah. naked, take off all her clothes, jump in naked, and then while she's floating in this water, jump up. And grab the top of this 25 pound lid and then lift the whole thing like it's on a hinge. So she'd have to lift the whole thing over and trap herself. So there's no way that that happened. I mean, 
I don't know if there's no way that it happened. Yeah. But I mean, it seems pretty crazy. That's like the big stickler in this. Yeah. It's like, okay, she could get on the roof, but how could she get into, into this little tiny hole? Right. And the other thing to remember is they took the dogs to the roof and they didn't hit on her scent. So a lot of people feel like that's an indication that she was carried. Mm. and she actually didn't touch anything. She didn't touch any, she didn't climb. She didn't touch the top. Fingerprints aren't anywhere. Yeah. So like, that's what they think is that she was carried. Okay. But that's not what they really think, right? (laughs) Like, so this is why it's a mystery. So they do the autopsy, and basically like, because she was in the water for so long, her blood is diluted. Everything is like diluted into the water. So mm-hmm. the toxicology is a little harder to do at that point. But basically they say like they did a rape kit, they checked her fingernails, they said like everything kind of she had no abrasions, mm-hmm. like didn't look like she was hurt before she went into the water. And she had trace amounts of some of her medications. And that's how they found out she had gone off of her mood stabilizers. Yeah. So she had some of her medications, but she hadn't been taking others. Yeah. And she had like a tiny bit of alcohol in her system, but she was basically sober. So unless she took some sort of cocktail or she was roofied, if she was roofied, Mm -hmm. then um, they wouldn't know like that. There's certain drugs that just wouldn't be in the system at that point. Mm -hmm. So they basically ended up saying at first they said it was an accidental drowning. And then they amended that to say that her death is undetermined. And the big reason for that is because they just can't figure out how she got into the tank. So they never figured out who did it? No. This is a straight up literally an unsolved mystery? Yeah. Could they tell that it was water that she drowned? So they could tell that she drowned drowned in there. It seems like what happened is she drowned naked in in this canister. And they're like, she's manic, she took off her clothes, she had strength, she climbed this thing. Even though the dogs did not smell her scent at all, and that she closed this big heavy lid over the top and drowned herself in her mania. And they say, like, also just to add, like, she's never had, I I mentioned her tumblers and stuff like that, but they say, like, she's never really had any record of, like, uh, suicidal ideation or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So, like, she was dealing with depression, but, you know, there was, like, her low points were not you know red flags for people yeah so that's the mystery and people drink her body water for three weeks and she i mean i guess we all turn into water eventually so i guess she's with us all (laughs) (laughs) i feel for her so bad yeah and i'm so mad that this hotel struck again. It was just like, what's a new way? Were there any other, out of all these other people that died at, at this hotel, all of these murders, all of these suicides, was any of them unsolved also? Yeah, there was one. You're uh, hella good at research. <laughs> <laughs> I almost didn't ask that question because I thought it would throw you for a loop. And well, fuck sometimes up the I research so much that I'm like, I'm not going to say all of this. <laughs> Who wants to know? So I skip this one. All right, but was there it? was one. Her name was Pigeon Goldie Osgood. And she's nowhere in the time frame. She died in 1964. But basically, she was a retired 
um, phone operator and she was super, super popular with everybody in the neighborhood and she used to go and feed the pigeons every day. So everybody used to call her a pigeon. Oh, I'm a little disappointed. I thought that was just like an old school name that people used to have. I mean, it kind of is. That's like, I think that's how like Shorty and like all those things. <laughs> right. But up. it's a nickname. I mean, it's yeah. a very good nickname, but I also just love the idea that pigeon is. Oh, like was her first name. Yeah. It's yeah, kind yeah. of a cool name. No. Anyways, okay. She, so Great. She, wonderful she's, nickname. She used to feed the pigeons in the park yeah. and she ended up, um, she was like this elderly lady and she ended up being found beaten, raped and stabbed in her room. And her she had a cubs hat and a bag that she always used to feed the pigeons with and yeah. it was like right by her and they never found who killed her. It was so no. But that was in nineteen sixty four, so it's wild. <laughs> <sighs> I don't like that they never found out who did it. I know. I know. And it's kind of crazy like I mean, something so supernatural. And then you think, like, honestly, like, so, like, if it's not a manic episode that led her to somehow getting herself in this tank and closing the um, the lid. Like, yeah. people say, like, there's a, a uh, there was a blogger in China who actually, through footage, had found, um, like, footage of the rooftop and the door to the stairway being open and one of the tank lids being open around the time that this happened. And it's mostly just to say, not to say like, oh, here's the evidence, but mostly yeah. to say like, everyone's saying it's impossible to get up here, but it's not impossible. It's to not get up impossible. Here. And it's not impossible to lift this lid. It is really crazy to think like, to describe these lids, it's not when you pull over, like you slide. Yeah you would have to basically be it's on a hinge so, you so have to by pull the time you're in it you don't don't just reach the top you have to reach way further you have up to basically to grab the handle brace to yourself the, you have to get out yeah. of the tank you have to get yeah. in the tank yeah and then somehow when you're in the tank you have to climb out of the tank I mean it's a lot of upper yeah, body yeah but strength. I feel like the wind could have the wind could have closed it right so we're getting into that right right it's like like there's definitely a possibility the wind could have closed it or and yeah. she could have had a lot of strength because it's yeah. just like what's going on with her body and yeah. her brain it's like she could have had a lot of strength and done it it's not like that's pretty much what, that's that's for sure a reason but that's also to me i just think it's like really intense to think of somebody messing with her you know what I mean? Like that type of person who would mess with you if there was a person there who even was thinking, oh, you're having a manic episode and I can get away with this. Yeah. You know, like the building is full of people who are, I mean, there's sexual offenders that are registered like yeah. in the building and there's like people who are super down on their luck and there's tons of drugs. Right. And then you have people who work there, you know, and it's like, you know, it doesn't surprise me that there's going to be some shady ass people in the 600 room hotel who would see somebody who's vulnerable and mess with them. You know what I mean? Like it's like if you're, if you're dealing with a population that's out on the street, there's so much mental illness. People yeah. know the signs of that right? and they know what's up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you wanted to mess with somebody like you could, and if you knew the building and you knew how to like, 
get to the roof and you knew about these water tanks and you knew no one was going to find them. You know, to me, I'm like, that is like an, such a crazy, scary person. Well, and, and why if, she naked? And if you were a ghost or a demon, there's almost no place on earth that you could get away with more crazy shit than murder S- hotel than Skid Row. Yeah, and Cecil, the Cecil Hotel, Hotel Cecil. Scary shit, huh? We're dropping the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Thank, Thank you, you for listening. These murals murders are so fun, and uh, people seem to be really into them. In fact, uh, we got a message from the king of Norway. He did. <laughs> he got him explained to us. So he listened to our Bell Gunnis episode yeah. that came out this week on Monday, and he uh, actually left us an awesome message about how. Norwegians got rich again. <laughs> yeah, right. Just <laughs> dropping some historical knowledge on us. So we're going to play that message uh, for you guys right now. And we love voicemails. So please, uh, for the love of God, call us and tell us how you're feeling. That's true. Um, this week is Halloween, right? And that's wonderful. But next week is the true horror show. <laughs> yeah. So what we would really love, and we'll keep asking for these, but we would love for you to call in and leave a voicemail on November 3rd. If you are watching the election yeah. and you have any thoughts, any stresses, any predictions, you want to tell us what you're eating, what your dog's doing, <laughs> anything, we would love to hear from you. So yeah. we'll make sure to keep reminding you. But if you're on election day and you're feeling antsy and you need a distraction, call our uh, voicemail and leave us a message. I can't remember the number, but I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> so just look at the show notes, find the number there. <laughs> Who knows and- numbers? Smartphone time. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, and here, without further ado, is the King of Norway. <laughs> hey, Nick and Muriel. This is Andre, the American in Norway. I think you call me the King of Norway. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a while. Um, but uh, I felt like I needed to call after your most recent episode. So Norway was dirt poor and considered pretty pretty bad off until, well, throughout the time you described the 1800s and most of the 1900s, actually. And throughout its history, it was owned by both Denmark and Sweden, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and mostly used as a land of cheap labor and farming and it wasn't until they got freedom i think about 82 years ago or 86 years ago is when they they say they wrote their first constitution and i think 60 years ago is when they finally broke out from under sweden to become an independent nation and 40 or so years ago so like the late 50s, early 60s, they discovered oil. And that's how Norway went from being one of the, being one of the poorest countries in Europe to being one of the richest. Um, so it, how you feel about the oil business is how you feel about how they made their money. Uh, so you're, yeah, pretty, pretty self-explanatory from there. Uh, unlike here, the biggest oil company, unlike in the U.S., in Norway, the biggest oil company is majority owned by the government. And so that money has pretty much paid for all of Norway being as awesome as it is now. And why, 
yeah, the cost of living is high because the taxes are high, but salaries are also really high, and all that money is what gives us, you know, public transportation and socialized medicine and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can't even think of everything right now. So, yeah, that's that's what's happened in Norway and why they went from being super poor to super rich. Um, yeah. Thanks again for being awesome. Talk to y'all later. Imagine a podcast. Now, imagine a musical. Now, imagine the two of them made one million babies. Well, you don't have to imagine it because it's real and it has a name. One million musicals. Each month, we bring you a brand new original podcast musical featuring talent from across Broadway, films, and TV. You'll hear tales of spooky ghosts, Wild West shootouts, adventures on the high seas, and much, much more. One million musicals. Only a few hundred thousand to go. A Campfire Media Podcast. Campfire. <laughs>